Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this service from Carrickfergus Baptist Church. If you don't normally join us on a Sunday, my name is Peter Lawther. I'm the pastor here. And this is a really strange time. Normally on a Sunday morning, this church would be full. It would be full of people, people of all ages. There'd be noise, there'd be bustle, there'd be chat going on. But here I am today, and I'm here on my own. But we're so glad, we're so thankful that you're able to join with us. You're able to gather with us, even if it is at home, through technology, to be part of our service here this morning. Our church here, Carrickfergus Baptist, was established in 1862. This is probably the first time in the history of our church over nearly 160 years that we are being unable to gather together regularly as a church family and worship our God together. Now, there's been one verse over the 160 years of the history of our church which has meant so much to us as a family. It's these words here that are printed on the window behind me. Those really well-known words from Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. The words say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so for the generations of families who've worshipped here in Carrickburg Baptist, these words have brought real hope and real comfort in difficult times. Our forefathers have come through lots of difficult situations. They've been through World War I, they've been through World War II, and yet every Sunday they would have come into church, they would have gathered together, they would have worshipped God, and the first thing they would have seen as they looked up at the front, painted on the wall at the front of the church, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that would have brought them real hope. It would have brought them real comfort in challenging and changing days. Our church moved up to this site here at Northlands in the 1970s. And when we opened our new building, we brought this verse with us. We painted it again on the front of the church. And so every Sunday as people gathered, coming through the troubles here in Northern Ireland and lots of other challenges and troubles and struggles in people's lives, this brought real comfort and it brought real hope that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Five years ago, we moved into this new building. We had outgrown our old building. We moved here and yet we were so keen to bring this verse with us. And so every Sunday as people gather here, they walk through the front door. This is the first thing they see. They're reminded of this great hope and this great truth that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Now this morning, we can't gather here in the building, but I want to bring this verse to you and I want to remind you of it. I want to, to help you because these are confusing days. And in these confusing days, our emotions can get the better of us. We can be worried. We can be confused. We can be concerned and anxious. And when our emotions are overtaking us what we need to rely on is not our feelings but actually what we know what is the truth that we can anchor our lives around and we have this great truth that although our world is changing today Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever and who is Jesus Christ he's our creator he's our savior he's the one who's promised his children that he'll never leave us or forsake us He's the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so this morning, let's be encouraged that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And as we think about this, let's join together and let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for these words of Scripture. We thank you for these words of Scripture that have brought real hope 
and comfort and assurance to our church family over many, many generations. We thank you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And although our world may be in turmoil at the moment, even though our world may be changing, we thank you and we praise you that we have a hope to anchor ourselves to, that we have a saviour, that we have a Lord, one who is in control of all things, who loves us, who cares for us, who's good, and who never, ever change. May that bring us help and comfort in this difficult season of life. And we pray all this, giving thanks in the unchangeable name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. Now, one of the things we love to do here in Carrick Baptist on Sundays is to sing together. That's really, really difficult when we can't meet together in the same building and sing. What we're going to do now is we're going to give an opportunity, maybe at home, for you to sing. Before Christmas, we as a church produced a CD. On the CD, uh, there were different people from our praise group here in church, singers and musicians. And one of the songs on that CD is entitled, Give Me Jesus. It was sung by Emma Savage. We're going to play it now. The words are going to be on the screen. And they're actually lovely words. Great words of hope and comfort in the season that we find ourselves in at the moment. So follow along with the words at home. And if you know the song and you want to sing, join in.
Elders have designated today as a day of prayer and fasting for our church family. It's really a call for all of us who call this our spiritual home to take time, maybe to sacrifice a meal or two, or even our use of our mobile phone, to sacrifice time to seek the Lord's face in prayer, to pray for our church family, to pray for our nation, and to pray for the things that are happening in our world at the moment. Now we are aware this is Mother's Day. We don't want to deprive any mother of a special lunch that they deserve. Maybe their children making it for them. But I really would encourage you to take time today and as a church family scattered in different places to seek the Lord in prayer. One of our church elders, Campbell Green, is actually going to lead us now in prayer. So let's pray. Let's pray. Father, We come to you today and acknowledge that you are the great I am, the creator of all things and the sustainer of your people. We thank you that in a world that is in such a rapid change that you haven't changed, that you are the same today as you were yesterday and will be tomorrow. Well, as we gather as your local church, we again thank you for our salvation, that our sins have been forgiven that we have a future that is sure and that our hope is in you. Today, as we gather in different places, we pray for your church, both worldwide and local. We pray for the pastors and elders of your church. We pray for your wisdom and guidance. We pray for boldness and confidence that your church will be the light that you have called us to be. Father, we pray for our leaders at this time. We pray for those in Westminster and Stormont, for our Prime Minister and First and Second Ministers, that they would know clarity and calmness. We pray for those who are fearful for the future, for their health, for their family, that your word would be a source of refuge and comfort. Father, we remember those who are working to contain this virus. We remember our doctors and nurses, our emergency services, and we ask for protection for them and their families. We pray for our pastor. We pray that you will guard him, his wife and family. We pray that spiritually he will be well and physically you will sustain him. We remember the young families in the church. We pray that as a larger family that we will care for each other and ask that you will show us how to display your love and care in practical ways. Father, as a local church, we pray that we will know you in a deeper way, 
And as we worship in different formats, that it will glorify you and build your church. We thank you for your word. Help us in these days ahead to grow in our dependence on it and our love for it. So, Father, sustain us in the knowledge of who we, who you are and in the certainty of your love for us. In the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Campbell. Now, prayer is so important to us as a church family. We've actually been teaching our children all about the importance of prayer in our kids' talks each week. And we've been teaching them through this book here. It's a great book, a great resource, what every child should know about prayer, written by Nancy Guthrie. And I encourage you, if you're a parent, to get a copy of this and teach your children from it as well. We've been learning lots about prayer over the last few weeks. We've been learning that we can talk to God anywhere, at any time, about anything as well. We've also been learning what to pray about, because one of the easiest things to do when we pray is just to pray for what we want. That comes naturally to us as humans. I want, I want, I want. But prayer is so much more than that. Prayer is more than asking God for things. And so a few weeks ago with the kids, we learned that in our prayers we should praise God. God has done so many wonderful things, so many incredible things that we want to thank him for. We also learned last week that we can pray to God to tell him how we feel. There are times we feel afraid or anxious or concerned. God is interested and when we pray he can actually change the way we feel as well. This week we want to think about the fact that we can thank God for what he has done. God has done lots and lots of incredible things in our lives. Think about the people God has given us. Today is Mother's Day. So boys and girls, have a think about your mum. Your mum who loves you, who cares for you, who provides for you. And so in your prayers, why not take time to thank God for your mums? Think about the things that God has given to us, the food that you're going to eat today, even the schools. You're out of school now, And you probably won't miss it on Monday morning. But it's a great thing that God has given to us so that we can learn. But here's the greatest thing God has given to us. He's given us his son, Jesus Christ. He's given us a saviour, one who loved us and one who died on the cross. And so when we come in prayer to God, we have so much to thank him for. But here's a challenge. What I want you to do, boys and girls, is have a think of all the things that you can thank God for. The things that he has done for you. Let's see if you can come up with a list, a prayer list, lots of things you can pray for. I wonder if you can come up with the longest list. I wonder if you can come up with the best list of things to pray for. Why not jot them down, email them to me, and whoever's got the longest, the best list, I'll give you a mention next week in our service. But let's have a think about what the book actually teaches us. Let me read it to you. It says, when we have this new life, we can see the good things God has done for us and the good gifts he has given to us. He fills our lives with joy and peace and hope. He provides everything we need. It makes us want to thank him. Then there's a great verse from the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. And here's a prayer, and maybe you can join with me, and you can use this as a prayer, giving thanks for the things that God has done in our lives. I can pray, God, I thank you for putting people in my life who take care of me. God, I thank you for the food I have to eat because I know everything good comes from you. 
God, I thank you for sending Jesus into the world to make a way for me to know you. Amen. We're going to continue to worship God together in song. We're really thankful for three of our members, Karen and Kyle Ashfield and Emma Miller, who have recorded this song, especially for our service this morning. It's called Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. So why don't you join us at home and sing along with the words.
in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. As a church family, we have been journeying through the book of Joshua, Joshua in the Old Testament on Sunday mornings. Joshua is a wonderful book. Now, centuries before the events in Joshua actually took place, God had made a promise to their descendant Abraham. He had promised them that he would give his descendants a land, a promised land to live in. And over those years, his descendants had dreamed about this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And as we move into this book, the book of Joshua, Joshua now has responsibility of taking God's people, the children of Israel, into the promised land. The book, as we have discovered over the last few weeks, is full of dramatic stories. There's a story of God taking his people through the River Jordan, a supernatural event where the waters parted and the people went to the other side. Then they encountered Jericho, this great fortified city, and yet its walls just crumble because God is on their side. There's the story of Rahab, this prostitute who lives in Jericho, and yet her life is saved and she's adopted into God's family. So we flick through the pages, there are countless battles and conquests, until finally the land is conquered. Now we covered 21 chapters of Joshua in just a few weeks, and although it only took us a few weeks to get through these 21 chapters, in real time, it actually took the children of Israel about seven years to conquer the land. Now after these seven years, it's time for a change. It's time to settle down. It's time to make their homes and to enjoy the rest that they have won. Now, the nation of Israel was made up of 12 tribes, but only nine and a half of the tribes would actually get to live in the Promised Land. The tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had actually made a request. They made this request to Moses years before that they wanted to live on the far side of the River Jordan. Now, why did they do that? They did that because they had lots of animals, the land on the other side of the Jordan was good for livestock, and Moses had granted their request. He granted their request, though, on one condition. And the one condition was, first of all, before they settled down and made their homes, they would come over and fight with their brothers, with their other tribes. And now, after seven years of battles, life is radically going to change. It's time for these two and a half tribes to head over the River Jordan and to head back home to settle down, and to live normally. But before they go, Joshua actually gives them some parting words. These words are found in Joshua chapter 22, verses 1 to 9. We're going to read these verses this morning, and actually one of our church members, Sarah Kerr, is going to do our Bible reading. The reading is from the book of Joshua, chapter 22, verses 1 to 9. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version. At that time, Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, You have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice in all that I have commanded you. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. And now... The Lord your God has given rest to your brothers as he promised them. Therefore turn and go to your tents in the land where your possession lies, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Only be very careful 
to observe the commandment and the law that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now to the one half of the tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half, Joshua had given a possession beside their brothers in the land west of the Jordan. And when Joshua sent them away to their homes and blessed them, he said to them, Go back to your tents with much wealth and with very much livestock, with silver, gold, bronze and iron, and with much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brothers. So the people of Reuben and the people of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned home, parting from the people of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the land of Gilead, their own land, of which they had possessed themselves by command of the Lord through Moses. This is the end of the reading. Thank you, Sarah. Now, it was a time of great change for God's people. It was a transition from a time of war into a time of rest. I think we'd all agree our lives have changed quite a bit in the last few days. Schools have closed in March. That has never happened before. Shops are closing. Our movements are restricted. There are things changing every single day. But here's the reality. We're actually still experiencing the calm before the storm. Things are going to maybe change in a greater way. And here's the challenge. We have no idea when this is all going to end. It's actually the opposite for the Israelites. They had gone from hostility, war, conflict, trouble, now into a season of rest. We're going the other direction. We have enjoyed rest and comfort for many years. Let's be honest with ourselves here in the West. We live pretty comfortable lives, don't we? Now, for some of you, you have your challenges and your difficulties. But if we're honest, compared to lots of people in the world, we have comfortable lives But that's all being turned upside down. We're now entering this time of unrest. Everything has changed. And the question is, how are we going to behave? How are we going to react in this time of change? Well, I believe there's some important lessons, some important lessons from Joshua chapter 22. Here's the first thing Joshua did in that reading that Sarah read to us this morning. He actually starts by commending the two and a half tribes who are just about to head back across the River Jordan. He commends them for the way that they've behaved in the last seven years of their conflict and battles. He commends them that they've been loyal. They've been loyal to the other tribes who they've fought alongside. Now, when the Ireland rugby team plays at the Aviva Stadium, there's an anthem, a rugby anthem, that's uh, sung out around the stadium called Ireland's Call. And in that song that many of you will be familiar with, there's the lines that go, Side by side, we stand like brothers. And then later on in the song, it talks about shoulder to shoulder. That's what the rugby team want. They want full commitment, people standing side by side, helping each other. That's actually what Joshua commends these tribes for. They had promised Moses many years before that they would keep fighting, and they would keep fighting until all the land was claimed. Now, this had been going on for seven years. They, they could have walked away at any time. They could have thought to themselves, we haven't signed up for this. We want to settle down and live on the other side of the Jordan, and this just seems to be going on for year after year. Why don't we just walk away? Why don't we just leave it to the other tribes to finish the job? But no, 
They'd stuck with it side by side. They stood with their brothers, fully committed. They'd remained loyal to the other tribes. And so Joshua commends them. He says these words in verse 3, you have not forsaken your brothers. That's the key word, brothers. You see, as they stood there and fought, they fought alongside their family. That's what they were. They might have all belonged to different tribes, but they were part of God's family, the children of Israel. In reality, that's how families should behave. They stand side by side and shoulder to shoulder. Now, one of my repeated phrases here in church is I talk about our church family. When I address the gathering here, and it's strange looking out with nobody in the seats here this morning. When I address, I talk about our church family. We're not just a, a random collection, a group of people who socialize occasionally with one another. We're actually a family. We're connected in a deep and a spiritual way. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And actually, it's been a real joy as the pastor of this church family to see a family in action over the last few days. As the situation in our world has started to unfold us, people have started preparing. So I've received messages and phone calls and emails and people asking this question, how can we help? People expressing genuine concern for their brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of this church family. And so as a pastor this morning, can I commend you for that? Can I commend you for your concern for your brothers and sisters in Christ? But can I also say to you, keep going. Don't let this fade. We're only starting. And when we come through this, whenever we come through this crisis that's hitting our world at the moment, will we be able to say that we didn't forsake our brothers and sisters in Christ? And yet we were loyal to them. And we stood alongside them. And we helped them. And we supported them. And we didn't walk away. Not only were these tribes loyal to their brothers, the other tribes, more importantly, they were loyal to the Lord himself. Let me read from verse 3. You have not forsaken your brothers these many days, down to this day, but have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. You have been careful to keep the charge of the Lord your God. Now, obedience is a key part of the whole book of Joshua. Right at the start of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, God actually gives a commandment to Joshua and the rest of the people as well. He tells them to obey the commands that God has given, to obey his word. And he actually gives them the result of what will happen if he does obey his commandments. He says, you will have great success. And that's the story of the rest of the book. Whenever God's people obey him, they experience great success. They experience the blessing of God. But when they disobey God, when they don't do his commandments or his charges, disaster strikes. So after the great victory in Jericho, the people didn't listen to God. They didn't seek his advice, and they cracked on ahead, and they attacked a place called Ai, and disaster struck because they didn't obey the commands of the Lord. We think about an individual called Achan, somebody who stole treasure that wasn't his. He hid it in his tent. He disobeyed God, and what happened? Disaster struck him and his family as well. But now life is changing. They're entering into a period of rest. And here's the big question. Will these people continue to be loyal and obedient to the Lord? You see, when life changes, 
it's tempting to change our behavior as well, isn't it? Let me say it again. When life changes, when the circumstances of our life change, it's tempting to change our behavior. And so after commending these two and a half tribes, Joshua gives them a charge. We read about it in verse 5. This is actually the key verse of the whole passage. Let's listen to these words. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, there was a change in the circumstances. They were going from war into a period of rest and peace. But that doesn't mean that we change the way we've been walking with the Lord. Joshua charges these people, he commands these people to continue to obey and to continue to love the Lord. These two things are actually really intertwined, love and obedience. And so the whole way through Scripture, when you find obedience, you'll find love as well. The two things go together. We'll unpack that shortly. But in verse 5, Joshua says to these tribes, be very careful, be really careful to observe the commandment that the Lord has given you. Very careful. Not a casual, lackluster attitude. Take it seriously. It's the same for us as well. This charge still stands for the followers of God. We need to be careful. We need to be very careful to observe what the Scripture teaches for our lives. And why do we want to do that? So that we can walk in His ways, to use a phrase from verse 5. Now, the verse here isn't speaking about some kind of cold conformity to rules. God has given us these rules, and we just obey them out of a sense of duty. Now, that's legalism. It's like the school child who puts their head down, does what they're told just for an easy life in school. But as they do this, as they obey their teacher and their principal, there's no delight in it. It's not done out of a heart of affection, so this is the great and right thing to do. No, it's just done out of a sense of duty. No, here's what the tribes are charged to do. They're charged to obey God whilst loving God with all their heart and with all their soul as well. Do those words remind you of anything? It reminds us of the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. One day Jesus was asked this question. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Out of all the things we can do in this world, what is the greatest thing that we can do? And Jesus' reply was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, love God with everything you've got, with your heart, with your affections, with your soul, that's that spiritual being, that person who you really are, with your mind, with your intellect, with your thoughts as well. That's the greatest commandment, to love God with our heart, our soul, and our mind. So I said earlier, love and obedience always go together. They're always intertwined. You can't separate the two. And so Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you really love me, if you really are one of my followers, keep my commandments. You'll be obedient because that's simple. If you love somebody, what do you want to do? Do you want to disobey them? Do you want to go against what they think is important in life? No, if you love someone, you want to please them. You want to delight in making them happy. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And Joshua knows the only way these tribes 
will continue to obey the Lord, to walk in his way, is if their heart is in it, if they love God with all their heart and with all their soul. And there's a great, great verse, or phrase in verse 5. They're commanded to cling to the Lord, hold on tight. It's a great word, cling. The word that's used here in Joshua is used in another book in the Old Testament. It's used in the book of Ruth, that great story, that story that many of you love. In the book of Ruth, there's a lady called Naomi. She's two sons, and her two sons die. And so there's two daughter-in-laws left as widows. And Naomi decides to leave the country she has been living in to go back to her homeland, the place where she was born, the land of Judah. And she says to her two daughter-in-laws, you stay here, you stay in the country where you were born. I'm heading back to my place of birth. And for one of her daughter-in-laws, that's fine. She's happy enough to stay. But the other one, the heroine of the book, Ruth, she says she won't leave. And actually, it's the same word used. It says that Ruth clung to her. She clings to her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she says, wherever you go, I will go. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Why did she do that? Why did she cling to Naomi? Because she loved her. Her affections were towards her. She wanted to be wherever she was. And that's the kind of image we have here in this charge, in this command that Joshua gives to the tribes. Cling to the Lord. It describes this close relationship. Now, some people think God is distant. Some people think God is disinterested. Maybe you're watching here this morning, and that's your kind of image of God. He's out there. He's distant. He's not really interested in your lives. Well, actually, the Bible teaches us the complete opposite. He's interested in us, he's near to us, and he actually wants us to cling to him. He wants us to have this close, deep, meaningful relationship. And why should we cling to the Lord? Why should we love him? Why should we obey him? Maybe you're sitting at home wondering that this morning. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14, it says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. See, Jesus is certainly not distant in our lives. He's the God who made us. He created us. He made us in his image. But he also loved us. He loved us despite of our sin, despite of the rebellion, despite of the wrong things that we have done. And he didn't abandon us. In fact, he left heaven. He came all the way into this world. And he died on a cross, not for the wrong that he had done. He was perfect, sinless, He died for the wrong things I have done, the wrong things that you have done, and he did it because he loves us. Then the Bible says that he rose again, and he gives us this great offer. He offers us salvation. He offers us forgiveness from our sins to take them away, and he also offers us lots of other blessings. He offers to adopt us into his family that we might become children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. Jesus offers this to us, and he calls us to respond. He calls us to put our trust and our faith in him. And after we put our faith in him, he wants us to love him with all our heart and our soul, to cling to him, and to follow him, to be obedient to the things that he would have us to do, this best way for living our lives. So what's going to happen over these next weeks? What's going to happen in our world over these next few months? I'm not sure. What I do know that our lives will be changed at the end of it. 
Now, how do we live in a time of change when everything is being turned upside down, when everything is different from how it was before? Well, the charge of Joshua 22, I believe, is still the same. This is how we are to behave. We're to love the Lord and to obey him. And through it all, we need to cling to the Lord, for he is good. Can I encourage you this morning? Can I encourage you, if you're part of this church family, family to continue to love and obey the Lord. Here's the charge. Keep on going. Even though things may be changing, don't change in your devotion to the Lord. Love him and obey him and support each other. And even though we can't meet together to encourage one another in our faith, through your messages, through your prayers, through the contact with our church family, encourage each other to keep on loving and obeying the Lord. But maybe you're watching this here this morning. You're not part of the family of God. Maybe you're interested in spiritual things. Maybe your interest has been pricked by the things that have been happening in our world. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of God, can I urge you, can I encourage you to turn, turn from the way you've been living your life and trust in one who is good, who is kind, who is loving and gracious and forgiving. Start loving Jesus Christ, cling to him and follow him and be obedient to the way he would have you to live. Maybe you'd like to find out more about this. Can I encourage you to read a Bible? You can download a Bible and you get it for free. Or maybe you've got spiritual questions. Well, why don't you contact me? We can't meet face to face at the moment, but you can contact me through our church website or through a Facebook page. And I'd love to have a conversation, a digital conversation with you, or a phone conversation to talk about spiritual things. But as we finish here this morning, let us think again about these words from Joshua 22 and verse 5. Let's listen to God's word and let's take this on board and live it out in our lives. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you that you are a good God, that you're a loving God, that you first loved us, that Jesus Christ died on the cross because he loved us and he gave us life so he could be our savior. Forgive us, change us. We pray, Lord God, that each of us would run after Christ, that we would cling to him, that we would have a deep and meaningful relationship with him, that we would love him with all our heart and with all our soul, that we would walk in obedience and we'd be careful to do all the things that you've commanded us to do. May we be people who obey scripture as you've set out how you want us to live as your people, because we know there is blessing, there is spiritual reward in following you. And so we pray for our church family at this time of change. Help us to be faithful to you, to keep on following, loving, and obeying. We pray for those listening this morning who are maybe not sure where they stand spiritually or know that they're distant from you. And we pray, Lord God, in this season of life, they would turn to your great Savior, that they will obey your command in Scripture to put their trust in you, they would love you and they would follow you for the rest of their lives. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus Christ's lovely name. Amen. We're going to continue to worship God in our final song.
This song has actually been produced by Sovereign Grace Music. They've given us permission to play it as part of our service here this morning. Again, the words will be on the screen, and they're beautiful words. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, and that's what we want to do at this time.
Thank you for watching our service here this morning. I trust it has been a blessing. It's been spiritually helpful for you. If you want to keep in touch with us, you can do it through our website. You'll find contact details there through our Facebook page as well. Can I encourage you to keep praying? Keep praying for one another as a church family. Keep trusting the Lord. Keep looking to him. And join us next Sunday as well as we broadcast our Sunday morning service. But as we close, let me close with some words from Scripture. These words are taken from 2 Peter and chapter 3. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.